Hey guys, today we are talking with Chris Hughes. He's a computer science lecturer at Salford University and he was also a panellist on the Inclusive Immersive Experiences panel session at TechShare Pro. We're talking about the brilliant immersive web player that they've developed and that they would like you guys to check out. I'm here with Chris Hughes of Salford University, who's very kindly offered to or agreed, twisted his arm, to talk to us. Um, Chris, do you want to give us your job title and kind of what you do uh, in your day job there? Okay. Um, Yes, I'm a lecturer in computer science. Um, So I teach computer science, but I'm interested in research and um, how that fits into broadcast and accessibility and all those kind of areas. Brilliant. Now, the reason why I got Chris on is because he was one of the expert speakers, panellists at a session at TechShare Pro last November, and it was on immersive, inclusive experiences. And it was a really good session. And Chris was talking about a project that they've been involved in there, the iMac project, which is nothing to do with removing hair from your legs. Where's that? IMAC? Uh, sorry, forget that. Um, but <laughs> uh, it did sound really, really interesting. So people may not well may well not have heard about IMAC. Do you want to give us the lowdown? Okay. Um, so the IMAC project, it's a European funded project um, that brings together uh, collaborators from broadcast um, industry and academia. Um, with the sole purpose to look at how you can effectively integrate accessibility within immersive media. So by immersive media, I mean 360 degree video. Um, And so the broad kind of overall aim of the project is to look at when a user or uh, someone is immersed in 360 degree video, um, whether it's using a head-mounted display or whether it's just using their mobile phone or, or on their laptop, how do you bring in um, the accessibility layer and the services such as subtitling, audio description, sign language, um, and what other assistive technologies and layers you need to put in there to make that work? Brilliant. I mean, it's quite a tough challenge, isn't it? I'm sure people are aware of VR, may even have tried it themselves. They may well be aware of 360 video. Um, And as a blind person myself, the closest I've got is I have a pair of Bose AR frames, which have um, speakers in and a compass as well. And you can have the audio panning around you as you move your head. So that's the closest me as a blind person has ever personally got to an immersive experience that um, kind of feels like you're in a different place. But so what are the challenges and how are you guys approaching it? Um, so um, the project is, is focused on um, a kind of user-centric approach. So the whole project is about actually trying to work out what works for the end user. Um, and the project also focuses on the entire pipeline. Um, so in order to do this, uh, it's not just good enough to kind of create a new player. We've had to look at how you build uh, all the editing and production tools that fit around that, and then the entire pipeline as to how you then deliver that to the end user. Um, And by following this user-centric kind of approach, it also kind of gives us the scope that it was all about us pulling together a few ideas and then putting it in front of users to work out what works for different people. Um, And throughout the project, we've had several kind of development cycles where 
we we've built things done pilots with with users to get their feedback and then gone back to the drawing board and started again to try and improve upon that and you um in your session uh, piece at the at texture pro you mentioned some specific examples about what people liked and didn't like and what you're trying to achieve with um making it more personalizable more customizable for each individual absolutely um one of uh the interesting things i find um when looking at 360 degree video and vr um is the fact that you've suddenly got a freedom of choice and Quite often for me, um, it's almost more interesting to look at what's happening elsewhere in the scene rather than where the main action's happening. Um, and to me, it's important that that kind of experience and opportunities are presented to any of the users, regardless of their needs. Um, and so you find, for example, um, if you're using subtitling, um, it's often not possible for people to work out where the action's happening or who the person is actually speaking. So, for example, one of the things we've had to look at in the project is um, exploring some kind of guiding mechanism to see uh, if there's a way to give an indication that if you can't hear the sound, you can only see the video, um, whereabouts in the scene that's coming from. Um, and in the project, we started with about eight different approaches that we thought might be interesting ways to give an indication of where the speaker is and how the subtitles relate to that person. Um, and in the end, we whittled it down through a, a process of, again, pilots and user testing to find two approaches that people really liked. Um, and the first one was just to add an arrow to the side of a mm -hmm. subtitle that, that suggests, actually, it doesn't matter that you're looking at what's happening behind the scene, but the uh, subtitle you're reading relates to something that's happening to your left or to your right. And if you want to see the person, you actually need to turn to look. Um, and we also implemented a kind of radar approach. So if you're more um, experienced and, and you're familiar with the scene and you've got more awareness of the kind of 3D scene around you, it gives you a little uh, almost radar with a dot that indicates where you are looking relative to where the actual action is happening. Hmm. And, so and the there action, are I suppose, could be happening above you or below you as well. As it's Absolutely. Not just 2D, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's yeah. what I love about this kind of uh, world. Uh, as I say, I quite often would much more interested uh, in sometimes we have video examples of things like an opera, where it's actually more interesting to turn around and look at the conductor sometimes <laughs> and see what's, what's happening there uh, than it is on stage. Um, and if, if you have good hearing, you, we can use binaural sound and, and you can hear the sound around you and you can hear the, the sounds behind you. But without those cues, you then have to look at other mechanisms for doing that. Brilliant. If anyone's interested in a good example of binaural sound, then just Google the virtual barbershop and put your earphones in. That's a brilliant yeah. piece of audio there. Um, so you've got being able to follow um, the action when you are relying on subtitles. What about people who have got no vision like myself? It tends to, in a spatial environment, be slightly easier um, when you've got sound um, because, as I say, you can use 3D sound so you can hear what direction the person is, is speaking. If there's a person stood behind you, you, you get the cues again from the binaural sound that the person's behind you. Um, and you can also turn your head and as you turn around, you can hear different features of the scene that give you some kind of spatial 
uh, awareness of where you are in that scene. Yeah, and if you had an audio description track, then you probably wouldn't want to have the audio describer kind of positioned somewhere in the sort of 360 panorama as like a, an extra character in the scene. You'd probably want that always to be centred wherever you're absolutely oriented. Yeah, absolutely. And again, in the project, we've tried several positions to put the audio describer. And, and again, through the play, you can customise a little bit about whereabouts the audio description comes from. And talking about audio description, I mean, I personally, as a as a blind person that relies on it, often find that the levels of uh, the mix, you know, the audio description is too loud. It speaks over people. Um, you know, there are issues with um, good audio description. And your colleague Ben Shirley, also of Salford University, they're working on a a related but you know separate project about audio um, that is. Uh, enabling people to choose the the mix that they want in immersive audio or in immersive media? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a fantastic piece of work and a fantastic project, actually. Um, the basic idea being um, you can have multiple audio assets in your scene. So you might have the background, you might have um, key action events, things like doors shutting, you could have dialogue, and you could have the audio description all together um, um, one of the problems we, we've seen with other projects is it, it's very easy to then give different volume controls for all these different layers but the interface becomes very complicated um, because you have to choose different volume layers for about four things um, what they've been doing in their work is looking at how you can kind of resolve that down to a single volume control um, where different coefficients are given to different layers within the scene. And so you can effectively turn the dial one way and it fades out the less important things um, and fades up the more important things, like the dialogue or the audio description. Or if you turn it the other way, you get more of the background noise uh, and it, it kind of manages all the different levels together. Absolutely. Um, and they gave a really good example of a tennis match, didn't they, where... Um, yeah they did lots of research about what people liked with regards the levels of volume between the commentary and the match noises you know the tennis racket hitting the ball the grunts the um, crowd noise and that sort of thing and the BBC or whoever's covering it tends to get a mix that's sort of somewhere in the middle um, but the research actually showed that people nobody actually wanted it at that level no, it sounds like um, that most users turned it one way or the other to an extreme, but the BBC obviously having to deliver a generalised audio version um, were aiming in the middle. And it was yeah. interesting when he was talking, he was actually saying that it was directly in the middle uh, and that's they were clearly finding that middle point, um, whether that was a conscious decision or not, but they noticed that what was being broadcast was right in the middle. Yeah, a, a kind of a customer um, preference dead spot, which nobody wanted. Yes. So this would certainly address that. And you're doing a kind of the visual equivalent of that as well, where you're not just getting a vanilla experience where, you, you know, you're, you're served up what you're served up and everyone gets the same thing. And all you can do is like really just turn your head and experience yeah. things. Um, anything else you want to say about, and we should say that IMAX stands for Immersive Accessibility. Um, yeah. And where is the project going? Um, what's the sort of 
time frame and is there going to be a deliverable at the end so we're actually now heading towards the end of the project um we're in the last round of um pilot testing which is a much larger open pilot so throughout the project most of the pilots have been um kind of closed small groups um one-to-one um, and asking questions and, and allowing people to experience it and getting feedback that way. Um, the final pilot of the project um, is where we actually are releasing the video player. Um, it's being released on two of our broadcasters' websites um, and there's an open version as well. Um, and that will allow anyone to connect to the website, have a look at the player, try it out, see what works and it also then asks them to um, provide some feedback through a, a survey form afterwards. Great. So if people want to do this, is there um, is it worth at this stage giving them the, the link to where they can go and what kind of hardware would they need? Um, absolutely. Um, although I might have to forward you the link afterwards um, because we're just finalising those details at the moment. Um, Brilliant. It'll go in the show notes, guys. That would be amazing. Um, because anyone that then wants to see the player can see the player. Um, as we reach the end of the project as well, um, it's important to note that all the kind of player, it's completely open source. Um, everything we've built is published and all of our findings are published on our website as well. Um, and so anyone can take the player, adapt it to their own service or what, put it on their own website and use it in any way they want to. Um, and we're now at the stage as well as looking at what happens next. So once we get the open pilot um, results back, we'll be able to make a, a more of a decision on what the next steps are and how to improve it further and make sure that what we found gets taken forward and actually used. Great, but I'm assuming people will need um, a mobile phone with a compass and accelerometer in and it would work in their browser? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the real advantages of our player is it's completely JavaScript. Um, so it works over the web, um, which means you could load the player on your laptop if you wanted to, and you can use your mouse to look around the scene. Oh, right. or, if you've, or if you've got a mobile phone with an accelerometer, if you um, open the player on your browser on your phone, you can use your phone to look around. Um, or if you've got a head-mounted display, um, which more and more people seem to be having these days, um, you can then connect to it through there as well. It works on pretty much any platform quite successfully. Brilliant, because they all have a browser and it would work with cardboard, I guess, as well. But yes, indeed. Um, it, yeah, works absolutely fine with cardboard. Um, and the idea was to make it as um, widely usable as possible. Yeah, hence the web. Um, and you'd have to have your ears in for the full experience. Yes, absolutely. Brilliant. Chris, thank you so much indeed. Uh, I'm excited. I'm going to give it a go, even though the visual stuff, you know, for me personally, won't be uh, all there. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm very keen. My Bose AR frames have really made me excited about um, VR, immersive media, albeit just from an audio point of view for me, but all the other listeners, I'm sure, will have a really good experience playing with it. And the link will be in the show notes. Excellent. Well, thanks very much. Thanks, Chris. Keep up the good work. 